it occurred to me that there are three things that we all do over the course of every day that are the most common and numerous things. They are breathing, eating, and talking. And Judaism has something to say certainly about breathing, and that is you should do it as often as possible for as long as possible. Judaism also has a lot to say about eating. The laws surrounding the Jewish dietary laws called kashrut, the separation of meat and dairy, the forbidden foods, volumes have been written and are continued to be written, but I want to talk about the third thing. Our world is opening up, and I have found myself doing something that I've done very little of over the past two and a half years. That's making small talk with people. And so I want to talk about talking. A teacher of mine used to say to me that the problem isn't that he can't keep a secret. The problem is all the people he tells it to can't. Or as Brent Franklin used to say, three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. <laughs> so listen, it's June and it's wedding season. Actually, it's wedding season on steroids. With two and a half years of couples waiting to get married, so be gentle with the rabbis knowing they've been running for multiple weddings on Thursdays and Sundays. And last week, as I was running from one wedding to another, getting mic'd up before the ceremony, the sound technician told me that the microphone was hot. In other words, it was on, which reminded me of another story about a rabbi that we mutually knew. The story goes that the rabbi was at a wedding, and there he is standing under the chuppah, there with the cantor, and he started making a comment about how the wedding was decorated. Really, those are flowers? And look at those bridesmaids, what they wanted to wear. What he did realize was that while the regular microphone was off, the video, the video microphone was rolling. And of course, when the family received the unedited video of their daughter's wedding, they also received the rabbi's comments along with it. And he said that the family was very gracious and understanding and kind, but it taught him an important lesson in life. And that is, what if all the time, even though you didn't know it, there was a microphone following you with every word you said and then transmitted it? At that point, I was reminded of another story of a rabbi who I know down south in the States who was telling me about a friend of his who's a cantor who had a similar experience. Under the chuppah, he made a comment about how expensive the bride's dresses must have been. And this time, what the family did was after the wedding, they didn't say anything to the cantor, but they did invite him over to watch the video of the wedding. And there he is, sitting there, watching the video, enjoying it. They're pouring drinks and eating hors d'oeuvres. And all of a sudden, he hears his own voice saying, that dress must have caught a, cost a pretty penny. And he was mortified. So you have to be careful. You have to be careful because you should always be thinking that the mic is always on unless you're talking to yourself. Because words can hurt. Because something said once is as though it has been said forever. Now I could stand here this morning and say something utterly and completely untrue about someone else. 
and it will stay in your mind forever. It's inter- if it's interesting enough, funny enough, and salacious enough, it'll be there. Or as the saying goes, we find guilt people guilty by accusation. I mean, why would someone say something about another person if it wasn't true? So let me tell you, as a rabbi, I hear lots of stories, and some of them are not true, even though lots of people believe them. And even people, when they say, oh, you know, I've heard this from more than a few people, as if a lot of people aren't capable of repeating a lie over and over again. The real truth is that words you say matter. They matter a lot. Or as it says in Sefer Mishle, the book of Proverbs, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. From a Jewish perspective, we wrestle with the power of words from the very beginning. Even if you have a casual familiarity with the Hebrew alphabet, you know that it begins with the letter Aleph, followed by the letter Bet. You might also know that the letter Aleph has no sound of its own. It's what we call the silent letter. The only sound the letter Aleph makes is whatever vowel is attached to it. But the letter that comes after it, the letter Bet, is not silent. And so it should be of no surprise to us at the very first letter of the Torah, of the Hebrew Bible, is not the Aleph, but it is the Bet. That we begin not with silence, but with sound. Which is to say that the creation of the moral universe was formed from a letter that can be heard, and from there we accept the fact that the names that we give to things and the words that we associate with people and events are powerful tools. Consider what an American cabinet minister during the, during the, first, Bush can, uh, the first Bush presidency who was indicted and then exonerated and then found innocent. He's standing on the steps of the courthouse and the cameras are around him and they ask him, does he have anything he wants to say? And he says, where do I go to get my reputation back? Or is there a teacher of mine once offered as advice? If you're wondering about whether or not you should say something, if you wouldn't want it said about you, don't say it about somebody else. Or maybe better yet, consider that the only difference between a gun and a mouth is that guns actually have safety switches. Because after all, bullets are like words. Once they go off, they never come back. And like bullets, words can kill. In the Torah, we are told, Lo tonu ish et amito, that you should not oppress one another. While a simple reading of this verse would suggest that the Torah is speaking about legal injustices, that people commit against each other, speaking about theft or violence or damage or murder. But the ancient rabbis read this in an entirely different way. They didn't see this about admonitions against the obvious. After all, the quick reading of the Ten Commandments would cover all of that. Our tradition read this as a warning of onat varim, about saying hurtful things against each other. The laws around this go to places that would surprise you. For example, according to Jewish law, it is prohibited to send customers to a business with them expecting special treatment from the owner without them knowing beforehand. It is prohibited to mention some unfortunate event in a person's past. For example, a divorce. 
you know, his first marriage didn't work out so well. Or a failed business dealing. It seemed like he couldn't make a go of that one. Or a problem someone's having with a child. I hear they're having some troubles with that one. Even something beautiful, even something beautiful that might be ignorantly belittled, like a conversion to Judaism, you are not permitted to say, oh, you know they converted. Because when we speak, people's lives are being held in the balance because of onat varim, because of the words that are spoken in a certain way at a certain time, they can hurt. Words can be twisted and words can be bent in ways that it becomes a weapon. And but just because, but just because words are powerful, it doesn't mean that they can't be good either. Maybe it is that all of these laws surrounding what we say and how we say it is a reminder that everything powerful and beautiful in this world has a dark and destructive side to it. To truly understand a word is not just to look in a dictionary. To understand a word is to find out how it is being said and why it is being said. Intentions inform the, your words nearly as much as the words that you choose. So of course there's a mirror image to all of this. It is the image of words being transformative and loving, of words that support and embrace, of words that comfort and strengthen the people we love and befriend. And in this realm, the Torah, Jewish tradition, is not blind either. The Torah portion this morning is filled with words to describe the building of the tabernacle, the sanctuary the Israelites worshipped in while wandering in the desert, a place, according to ancient tradition, where heaven and earth would meet. So as much as words can break, words can build. So I want to tell you a story from my past that showed me how beautiful words can build things. It takes place about 25 years ago, up north in Israel, in a city called Sfat. It is a Shabbat morning, just like this one. Sunny, clear sides, skies, excuse me, a quiet morning. I walk to the ancient synagogue of a medieval rabbi, Rabbi Moshe al-Sheikh. It is filled with North African Jews. I am the only Jew of European descent there. The Torah is taken out. People clap their hands like happy children at a party and break out into song as the Torah is marched around the synagogue. And there is an old man drapped draped in a classic Arabic brown burnous. He pours out some perfumed oil into the hands of the boys and men who then place it onto their foreheads and their hands before he hands up to the Torah where he was called up to give a blessing. The man recites the blessings before and after the Torah reading and many steps down. Then his family lines up and they bow and they kiss his hand and he places his hands over their heads and he blesses each and every one of them and he finishes the blessing with a kiss on their forehead. And at that moment, so many years ago, I realized something that I had never considered before in my life, that these were poor people, ordinary laborers with little of the wealth and security that we think of but their lives seem far from empty, actually quite the opposite.
And I couldn't also help but think of all the kids that I grew up with back in New York, with parents who would give them so much, but they would never stop even for a moment of lowering their head to get a blessing from their father or mother. And maybe that's because all of us have forgotten just how powerful words can be. That what we say, be it a blessing or a curse, what you say makes a difference in this world. But our tradition said it best. There was one rabbi who lived thousands of years ago who offered you this guide to each and every time you open your mouth to say something. He said, that words that come from the heart go to the heart. Be heartful when you speak. Shabbat Shalom.